Welcome to Current Radio's Technology Station. Please enjoy today's selection of technology news. Celeste, ever heard of Cradle? It's a biotech startup that's making waves with its innovative approach to protein design. Cradle? Can't say I have, James. Enlighten me. Well, they've been training AI models to understand the molecular structure of proteins. It's like they've taught the AI to read an alien programming language made of amino acids. An alien programming language? That sounds fascinating. So this AI can design proteins? Well, it's not as simple as saying, make a protein that does this, but it can help predict which proteins are likely to survive in certain conditions. It's caught the attention of big pharma companies like Johnson & Johnson and Novozymes. So it's a game changer for drug development? Potentially. Creating a functional protein from scratch can take years and thousands of experiments. Cradle claims their tech can cut that time and number of experiments down significantly. Wait, so you're saying this AI can help speed up the drug development process? That's the idea. They've already tested it in-house. They use their software to produce alternate versions of an RNA production enzyme that's more resistant to high temperatures. Normally, less than 5% of tweaked molecules show the desired aspect, but with Cradle's tech, 70% of the variants showed increased stability. 70%, that's impressive. But what about other applications? Good point. The tech isn't limited to just drug development. It could also be used in food and industrial applications. Plus, it's user-friendly. Scientists and labs can use it directly without needing a machine learning engineer. That's convenient. What about the company's background? Cradle is based in the EU, and their team has a lot of experience from big tech firms in Silicon Valley. Building a deep tech venture in Europe has its challenges, but also its advantages. Challenges and advantages. Right. Steph Van Grieken, the CEO and co-founder of Cradle, mentioned that fundraising can be more complicated in Europe. But on the flip side, there's a lot of talent coming out of universities like ET8 and EPFL. Plus, many of the world's largest pharma and biotech companies are located in Europe. Interesting. So what's next for Cradle? They've just secured $24 million in a funding round. The plan is to use this capital to grow their team and sales. It's definitely a company to watch in the biotech and AI space. Absolutely, James. It's amazing to see how AI is revolutionizing different sectors. From the fascinating world of biotech startups, let's now turn our attention to the ongoing legal battles in the tech industry. It seems like not a week goes by without a major tech company finding itself in hot water. This time, it's Meta that's facing serious allegations. Let's delve into the details of this intriguing lawsuit. So Celeste, have you heard about the lawsuit against Meta? It's a doozy. I've heard snippets, James, something about kids and privacy. Exactly. It's all about how Meta handles kids under 13 on its platforms. The lawsuit alleges a pattern of deception and minimization. Wait. Kids under 13, aren't there laws about online data collection from kids that young? You're spot on, Celeste. It's called the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, or COPA. It limits data collection and requires parental consent for various actions. But the lawsuit alleges that Meta... So they're accused of not following COPA? That's right. The lawsuit alleges Meta doesn't even attempt to obtain parental consent before collecting personal information from kids on Instagram and Facebook. It's a pretty serious accusation. Wow, that's a big deal. But how can they prove that Meta knew these users were under 13? Well, 
The lawsuit includes internal documents that suggest Meta has been tracking under 13 users for years. For instance, in 2018, it noted that 20% of 12-year-olds on Instagram used it daily. And in that same year, Zuckerberg received a report stating there were around 4 million people under 13 on Instagram. That's a lot of kids. But how do they know these accounts were actually being run by kids? Couldn't they just be parents using their kids' names or something? That's a good point, Celeste. But the lawsuit alleges that Meta turned a blind eye to the problem rather than implementing more stringent rules. It's a complex issue for sure, but if these allegations are true, Meta could be in hot water. I can see why. It's one thing to have a problem like this, but ignoring it is a whole other level of wrong. Indeed. And to add to that, the lawsuit alleges that Meta has been actively targeting kids under 13 for years. There's a lot to unpack here, and it'll be interesting to see how this plays out in court. From legal battles in Silicon Valley, we now turn our attention to the glitz and glamour of Las Vegas. It's not all about the casinos, though, as tech giant Amazon is making waves at their annual customer conference, AWS reInvent. As we pivot from privacy concerns to revolutionary serverless solutions, let's dive into the exciting news coming from the world of cloud computing. So Celeste, Amazon's annual customer conference, AWS reInvent, kicked off in Las Vegas with some exciting news on the serverless front. Oh, I've been waiting for this. What's new, James? Well, they've rolled out a few new offerings to make it easier to manage Aurora, Elastic Cache, and Redshift serverless services. AWS VP Matt Wood shed some light on the challenges faced by customers with Aurora serverless. Right? It's a quick way to get a cloud database up and running. But I've heard it's a pain dealing with large-scale data, especially when you're talking about tens of millions of customers or records. Exactly. The traditional solution has been to split the data into smaller segments, or shards, and manage them independently, which is a hassle. But now, Amazon is introducing, let me guess, a solution to handle sharding automatically. You got it. They're calling it a limitless database. It handles all the sharding under the hood, allowing customers to deal with a single database. It's a game changer in terms of management. That sounds like a huge relief for customers. But wasn't there something about Elastic Cache too? Yes, they've announced Elastic Cache Serverless. This serverless caching service sits between your application servers and your database, improving response times and reducing database costs. And it's all serverless, ready to scale for any volume of data in under a minute. Wow, talk about efficiency. And what about Redshift? Redshift Serverless now uses AI to automatically optimize and scale Amazon Redshift data warehouses based on query patterns and data volumes. This significantly reduces the workload for IT. So with the serverless approach, Amazon manages all the hardware in the background, delivering just the right amount of resources when needed? Precisely, Celeste. It's all about making life easier for the customers by eliminating the need for back-end management work. As we marvel at the technological advancements making our lives easier, let's shift our focus to the global tech scene. From serverless services in Las Vegas, we now turn to the bustling tech market in South Asia. A Taiwanese tech giant is making headlines with its ambitious plans in India. Stay tuned for more on this billion-dollar investment. Foxconn, the Taiwanese tech giant, is making some serious moves in India. They're planning to invest a whopping $1.54 Now that's a serious commitment to expansion. Right you are, James. 
This comes just a few months after Foxconn announced plans to double its workforce and investment in India by next year. Clearly, they see a lot of potential in the South Asian market. And it's not just about expanding their footprint. Foxconn works with big names like Apple, assembling their devices in India. It's part of this broader shift we're seeing where tech giants are diversifying their manufacturing bases. Some analysts are calling it the China plus one strategy. Hold up, China plus one? Yes, it's this idea of maintaining a base in China, but also establishing a significant presence in another country, in this case, India. It's a way of hedging against trade tensions and other risks. Ah, I see. So Foxconn's investment in India is part of this larger trend. But wasn't there some controversy earlier this year? Something about a chip-making joint venture? You're right. Foxconn pulled out of a $19.5 billion chip-making joint venture with Vedanta. But despite that, the company said it remains confident about India's potential. They're committed to supporting the Indian government's Make in India initiative and are looking to establish a diversity of local partnerships. So they're not just investing in India, they're also investing in, in the local communities and industries. That's quite commendable. Absolutely. And it's not just talk. Back in August, Foxconn announced plans to invest $600 million in two projects in Karnataka, a state in southern India. They'll be manufacturing chip equipment and iPhone casing components. And it seems like their investments are already paying off. Goldman Sachs analysts reported that Foxconn's revenues from India have been increasing, contributing to 3.3% of their total revenue in the most recent quarter. That's up from about 2% in the previous year. Indeed. The rising contribution reflects the global tier clients' needs on a diversified production base. It's a strategic move that could potentially secure Foxconn's leading market position in the EMS.